What's up, everybody? It's good to be in the house with all of you. See your smiling faces. Hi, Jonesy. I've got a lot to cover today, so I'm going to jump right in. And uh, I want to mention a, a verse that's sort of a foundational scripture before we get into the main text for the day. But uh, I, I, I've had this thought over the years that many of us, we believe in Jesus. But I wanted to ask you, do you also believe what Jesus believed? And what Jesus believed is that what's expressed in Deuteronomy chapter 6 is the most important thing. If we're going to forget everything else, don't forget this. That is this commandment to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our strength. And there's much that could be said about that passage. We really don't have time to get into to that today. In fact, Bible Project has an amazing uh, set of videos on that verse. But what I want to say to you in, in starting today is with that thought that God has given us the ability to love him with every capacity that we have. That is to say that when we go off to college, we don't need to stop loving God with our mind and our intellect because God is the God of all things, including science. Amen? He's the God of all wisdom and knowledge, and so we can love him with our intellect, with our rationality, with our reason. And while we love him with that part of who we are, we can also love him with our soul, our emotions, our, our, our mind, our emotions, our feelings, our will. We can love him with all aspects of who he created us to be. We can love him with all passion, with all of our muchness, which is what that word strength actually is, is, is all that you have in you, you can love him that way. And so it's, uh, with that foundation, I want to just begin by praying today. I invite you to pray with me. And let's invite the Holy Spirit that he would speak to us and have his way in us and through us. And Lord, we thank you for your presence here. We thank you that you are a present God. You're Emmanuel, God with us. That's not just a thought. That's a very present help in time of need. We thank you that your spirit doesn't just float around us, but you live inside of us. We are your temple. And so we invite you to have your way in and through us. Whatever it is that you want to say to us today, we invite it. We tune our ears to hear your voice. And we commit ourselves to listening to your word and obeying. I thank you, Lord, that the power of your word is not based on me and my feeble ability, but it's based on your spirit. And so we ask your spirit to speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. You ever notice that we have like super weird trends that we grab onto and fall in love with? My wife is wearing these highways. So in the 90s, in the 90s, moms, cheesy moms wore like these jeans. And then the late 90s, SNL and everybody else made fun of mom jeans. But guess what's back? High-waisted jeans. Like it's, it's the thing, right? There's trends that we have. How many people in this room had a mullet at one point in time? Oh, yeah, our pastor had a mullet. You had a mullet, Aslan? Man. Mullets, that's a funny, girls had mullets? I saw, a, I saw a haircut from the 60s called a bouffant. Did anybody in here have one of those? Yeah, come on. How big was it? It's like hair that like, it's like big. 
I saw a picture of a gal that had a, a her, she was holding her poodle next to her and their hairs looked the same. <laughs> anyway, we have these funny trends that we get on. When I was in middle school, this trend that I was all about was you buy these jeans called Jinkos. Anybody know what Jinkos are? The idea of Jinkos is, yeah. If you're, so you, your whole body could fit in one of the pant legs. That was what a Jinko was. And, and so you're, you wanted your whole shoe covered by your jean. And then mine, in my school, it was really cool if your pockets were really low. So I had to like reach down here to grab my wallet. This is the silliest stuff. So how about this trend, early 2000s, the emo trend? Any emos? Is there any emos in the house? You were emo? You were emo? So if you don't know what emo is or was, is uh, typically what you, what you would see on the outside is, is uh, all black, all dark. Sometimes even guys paint their finger, fingernails black, sometimes lipstick black, eye makeup black, even for guys. And then, and then this was a big thing, dark hair that always comes in front of the face. <laughs> and then this is like the cardinal rule if you're gonna be emo, never smile. And what's really interesting to me about that trend is that though, and many trends are like fashion oriented or what you see on the outside, but, but that trend, emo, comes from the word emotional. And that was an interesting trend because the whole idea was that you're expressing something on the outside through your clothes and your hair and all that, but the idea was that, oh, those people are emotional. When really I think what that, that, that movement really meant was like, we're depressed, or trying to at least express that we're depressed and that's just who we are. But, <laughs> which is, yeah. So, but, but what's interesting about it, if you think about it, is if we're not careful, we can convince ourselves that certain people are emotional and certain people aren't. And we do this sometimes. Oh, she's just emotional. Oh, he's just moody, especially when he comes home from work. He's just so moody. And then maybe you're I'm not an emotional person. I'm happy all the time. Oh, so you're experiencing the emotion of happiness all the time and you're not emotional. <laughs> it, it doesn't make sense. What I'm trying to tell you is that every single one of us is emo. Every one of us. Okay, so God gave us all the the ability, we are formed in his image and one of the aspects of who we are is our emotions. We are all intellectual, we are all rational, we have the ability to have rational thought. And so, so all of these things are part of who every one of us is. So this week, you guys, what you asked for is, how do I deal with my emotions? And it makes sense that some of you, I don't know which of you asked for that, but it makes sense that you would ask for that, especially in this season. Somebody said, how do I deal with my stress in this season? Somebody said, can you pre please preach on how do I renew my mind? Can you please preach on what do I do with my emotions and everything that's going on? And It's a great question, isn't it? We're living in times that, that bring about deep and very real and heightened emotions and stress and anxiety. And we experience emotions sometimes in the big things in life, whether it's to do with your finances or your marriage or, uh, you know, maybe you're just hungry and that turns into being hangry. Like, right? We all have feelings. And I think what we mean when we say that person's emotional is that either they let, the, they let themselves respond to their emotions in a way that we disagree with. 
But I want to let you know that we all have emotions, we all have feelings, and they're not all bad. We just have to learn how to keep them in the right seat in the car. So I want to turn to a passage today to set the stage. If you have a Bible, turn to 1 Samuel chapter 30 with me. We're going to take a look at the life of a man named David. You've probably heard of him before. One of the great kings of Israel. David, the, the guy from whom we get this saying, a, a people after God's own heart, because it was said of David, he's a man after God's own heart. And um, where we're picking up in this story, and I want you to really consider the emotions, the feelings, what would be going on if you were with him or you were him in this situation. So where we're picking up here in uh, 1 Samuel 30 is he is not yet ruling as king. He was just a boy when, when King Saul was, was leading the nation, but Samuel the prophet came to David's household. And he anointed David and he said, you are going to be king of Israel. And then for the next 10 to 17 years, somewhere there, he spent his, his life running for his life from the king that wanted to kill him. Even at one point in time, he had to pretend like he was insane to a foreign leader so they wouldn't kill him. He, just, he was going through a very, very difficult trial, hiding in caves, probably feeling all kinds of emotions, being alone, probably contemplating what was up with that prophetic word. I don't know if anybody resonates with that, like, why did God give me that prophetic word? It's obviously not taking place. And, and all of the emotions and all the feelings and all of the thoughts and all the things going on inside of him. And then God sends him this great leadership team. In, in one of the scriptures, it says that 400 men, all of the outcasts, all of those who are distressed in spirit, they all went and found David and said, hey, let's hang out with this guy. And so this is the leadership team that David gets while he's on the run in the wilderness and away from the, the land that he is supposed to eventually be the king of. And at this particular moment in time where we're picking up in the story, he and his men were off away, getting ready to go into battle, but they got sent back to their hometown of Ziklag where they left their wives and their children and all their belongings. And this is what takes place, First Samuel 30, starting in verse 1. Now when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day, the Amalekites had made a raid against the Negev and against Ziklag. They had overcome Ziklag and burned it with fire and taken captive the women and all who were in it, both small and great. They killed no one, but they carried them off and went their way. And when David and his men came to the city, they found it burned with fire and their wives and their sons and their daughters taken captive. Can you imagine I mean, you think we've been stressed out being in quarantine because your Netflix show ran out. <laughs> or like, we got to figure out how to homeschool our kids again and, you know, get them on Zoom calls. And, but, but at least my house isn't burned and my wife and kids are taken from me, right? So just imagine the emotions. Imagine the stress. Imagine the pressure that David as a leader is feeling and what all the men, what's going on in their heart, it's easy to imagine that their emotional state was probably heightened. So this is what happens. Verse 5, David's two wives had also been taken. Verse 6, David was greatly distressed. Why? Because the people, his people, his soldiers spoke of stoning him because they were bitter in soul. And what happens when we get in emotional situations is we oftentimes, 
We need to find something or somebody to blame for what we're feeling on the inside. And so we just find somebody and we, we try and take it on on them. And, and oftentimes it's the leader. Let's just kill David. It must be his fault. Let's just blame Trump. It must be his fault. And, there, you know, and this is what happens when we, let's just blame my spouse. It must be their fault. And what happens is our emotions sometimes take over. It like becomes overwhelming. I know this from experience. I'm preaching this message to you not from a place of, I'm not a professional or master at this subject at all. Ask my wife. I actually chose to take on this uh, subject as I, we are reading through the list because I knew that this is one that I'm particularly um, wrestling with in my life and God has me on a journey uh, in this area. And for much of my life, I've allowed my emotions to uh, sit in the driver's seat of my car. If my life, if your life is a, is a vehicle driving through life, God's trying to direct you where to go, who sits in the driver's seat? What capacity within you is leading your life? In, in, our, in our world, uh, just speaking physically, uh, when we drive together, Jessica drives. Sometimes people are like, oh, why is she driving? Isn't the guy supposed to drive? And, and like, I'm like, yeah, I prefer to be in control. I'll just be honest with you. I like to be in control. But she gets car sick. And so if she rides with me for like two blocks, even if I'm driving slow, she'll get sick. And so it's, it's healthier for her if she's in the driver's seat. And so obviously I'm going to allow her to drive and then I just pretty much direct her because she'll miss the road all the time. <laughs> like sometimes I'm like, Jess, where would you end up if I wasn't helping you drive? But <laughs> it's true, right? It's true. But it's healthier for our family. It's healthier for her physical body if she's in that seat and I'm in shotgun. Here's the truth about your life. If your life is a car going down the journey of life, it's important who's in what seat. And you could be healthier if you have the right passengers in the right seat. Let me illustrate it like this. I've got my emotions and my feelings right over here. I've got my will, the muscle right here. This is my mind and my reasoning and my logic right here. And here's my Holy Spirit. Oh, come on. <laughs> so if you're driving through life, and this is how I drive, by the way. I remember my first car talking about trains. I had a 1988 Honda Accord with dice hanging from the rear view mirror. And they plugged into the, out, the lighter, so they lit up. I don't even know why would anybody have dice ever, but I did it. That was so awesome. So I'm driving through life. Who, who's sitting in shotgun? Who's in the back seat? Who's the back seat driver? Whose voice am I listening to as I'm cruising through life? So let's, and all analogies fall apart at some point, but let's illustrate it this way. The Holy Spirit should be sitting shotgun. So Jess, can you bring your stool up and just sit here shotgun with me? If I'm driving through life, 
I should have the Holy Spirit right now, or right here, and, and Holy Spirit is like your Maps app, you know, trying to direct you where to go. And, and Holy Spirit is not going to force your will to do anything. Holy Spirit is going to encourage you and tell you, turn left. And by the way, if you don't turn left, Holy Spirit's going to reroute you. It's, you know, it's your choice. You might take you through the boondocks, but eventually Holy Spirit wants to get you where he wants you to go. And so, uh, you know, hallelujah, the, the Holy Spirit doesn't give up on us, but Holy Spirit is here, and, and, and the Holy Spirit is, is in the mix of our soul and our heart and, and all those things, not going to overtake us and force us because we have free will, but all the time saying, turn, this, this, this. And so, but what happens is sometimes we've got the emotions that is sitting in the back seat trying to climb up in the front seat. And you're driving through life, and then something happens, something triggers, and your emotions start screaming at you from the back seat. Floor it. Floor it. <laughs> well, why did you do that? Well, I just, I couldn't help it, my emotions. I just couldn't help it. Don't, doesn't it seem like we live in a culture that's hyper-feeling oriented and emotional? Yeah. I just feel like, you hear that all the time. I just feel like oftentimes how we feel has nothing to do with logic. It's just how we feel. But for, for some reason, and maybe it's all humans of all times, but it, it seems like in this culture, myself included, sometimes we let our emotions push us out of the driver's seat and grab that wheel and just tell us what to do because our emotions said so. But this is what we should do. We should say, hey, emotions, how do we feel right now? And then when the emotions tell us how we feel right now, yeah, you're about to say something. <laughs> we should say, emotion, how are we feeling? And then we should do this. Hey, Holy Spirit, how are we feeling about how we're feeling? <laughs> right? Yeah. Ho Holy Spirit, how are you feeling about how I'm feeling? And then if we need to, we say, hey, actually, can't you just be quiet for a second? I think sometimes what we think is like, well, we got to, in order to not be emotional, we need to kick the emotions out of the car, get the emotions out of our life. God made you emotional. Emotions are not categorically wrong just as much as thinking is not categorically right or wrong. God has made us in his image with capacities and abilities, and it's, it's how we respond to those uh, emotions and thoughts that determines whether we're walking in the will of God or not. And the old man, the sinful nature, is going to try and take over, you know, how you're feeling or how you're thinking at certain times, and so you've got to run it by the Spirit. Hey, emotion, stay in the back seat, and if I need help, I'll, I'll ask you. And sometimes we have to say, hey, mind, what are we thinking about that? And then we need to do this. Hey, Holy Spirit, what are we thinking about what we're thinking about that? Hey, Lord, what does your word say about what we're thinking about that? Sometimes we're over here going like, hey, feelings, how do we feel about the situation? We're like, do we? Yeah, do we? And then we go over here and we think to ourselves, what do we think about this? And you're like, eh, 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 no, run from that room right now. And then we say to the Holy Spirit, please. The will is saying, give me strength. And the Holy Spirit says, oh, I'm so glad you asked. 
And so we just sometimes have to say, uh, I know what the word says. We'll make a decision. I guess what I really came to say to you today is that we have the ability to strengthen ourselves in the Lord. When David was going through this situation and he's feeling emotional and everybody's distressed and they're so bitter and wearied and they just decide they want to kill him, he could have just said, oh, woe is me. I'm running. But instead, he said, I'm strengthening myself in the Lord. This is, this, the Hebrew term there is that he chose to do something with his will. It was self-action and self-choice that he made a decision with his mind and he told his feelings to get in line. And it's not a self-help gospel. This is not like the world preaches. This is a decision that you can make within your God-given capacity and ability in the Holy Spirit to encourage and strengthen yourself. And so I wonder, when you are feeling it, either stress or anxiety or emotional or whatever, when you're going through it in life, what do you look to to strengthen yourself? Some of us look for a substance, maybe a pill or a drink, to encourage, we call it liquid courage. Some of us look for likes and for comments and for affirmation online. Some of us look to all of our friends and, and, and our pastors and say, encourage me, encourage me, encourage me. And it's not all bad. Sure. Hear what I'm saying. Like, it's, it's okay to have your pastors pray for you. It's okay to, to, to vent to your spouse or to, or to whatever. Like, it, that's okay sometimes. But what I want to re- remind you of is in addition to being strengthened by other good sources like the Word of God, like the Holy Spirit, like your friends and, and peers that you trust. In addition to that, we have to learn how to strengthen ourselves in the Lord. I know for me in my life, for so long I relied on some outside source to make me feel better. I needed a compliment, or I needed affirmation, or I needed a feeling But God says, I want to teach you also how to strengthen yourself in me. Thank you, guys. You can, you can put these papers down and, and you can move back. Um, when it comes to your life, if your life is a car, and of course the analogy breaks down because really the Holy Spirit's not just sitting shotgun. The Holy Spirit's sitting right here in your heart. And the Holy Spirit living in you has given you the ability to listen to the mind and your thoughts and your rationale when you should to decipher whether those thoughts that you're having are coming from God's heart or not. God has given us the ability to renew our mind in him. God has given us the ability to examine whether the feelings that we are feeling have the right to persuade what it is that we're going to do or not do. He's given us that ability. So if you're the type of person that thinks, when, when my feelings, when my emotions, when it happens to me, it's, it's, it's done. That It has the wheel. Your emotions don't have to have the wheel. If you're the type of person that thinks, well, you know, I just can't control myself. That's a lie. The spirit of the living God inside of you has given you control over your will to make decisions according to his will. So I want to close with just a few, uh, a few thoughts on some practical things and ways to 
Strengthen ourselves in the Lord. Number one, we need to know right and we need to think right. And those two things are different, by the way. You ever notice that you can, you can know something, you can have knowledge of something and that not be the thing that you think about? You can have knowledge of the truths of the word, but all you do all day long is think about what's bad and what's nasty and what's, right? And so we need to know right and we also need to think right. And so let me just read a few scriptures for you. Romans 8, verse 11. The spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. The spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells inside you. The same spirit that resurrected the body of Jesus Christ, that spirit lives in us. And if he who raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives in you, he will also give life to your mortal bodies through the spirit who dwells in you. You need to know that. You need to know that you're a temple of the Holy Spirit. Romans 6, 11 and 12. So you must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ. Let, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. What's this verse saying? This verse is saying that in your mind, you need to consider yourself dead to something. Like it could be a reality the word could tell us you're dead to sin, but if you don't consider yourself dead to sin, then you're just gonna keep on walking in it. Consider yourself with your mind dead to that sin and the, you'll have the strength. Let not sin reign in your body. That's a decision. You can't just say, well, if the Holy Spirit wants to deliver me from sin. No, no, the Holy Spirit does wanna deliver you from sin. You need to make a decision to flee from unrighteousness, right? And he's given us that capacity and ability. Romans 12, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may be able to, may, may be able to discern what is the good and perfect pleasing will of God. If you want some really good content, by the way, on the connection between the mind and emotions, you can pretty much check out anything that Dr. Caroline Leaf has, has written and spoken because her material is phenomenal. She spent like 30 years studying this stuff. And I listened to some of her material this week. I was thinking, oh, I'll just grab some of this and read. And I was like, oh, I'm not smart enough. But uh, <laughs> it's just great stuff. But she would say that actually the, the mind being renewed by the spirit has the ability to, to say yes or no to the emotions. That your emotions don't control you. Your renewed mind controls you. Your mind can say, will, we're doing this according to God's word. Either way, we need, we need the Spirit to renew our mind that we would think right. Of course, we need to study and know right. We also need to think right. Philippians 4, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if anything is excellent and praiseworthy, think about such things. So as we know right, as we know truth, as we know God's word, we also need to think about those things. When we, th when we think about negativity, those emotions are going to build in us. So know right and think right. Number two, we can wrestle with God and talk to ourselves. David was, you know, man, and you see this all over the Psalms where he's, he's wrestling with all kinds of emotions. A lot of us take solace in, in the Psalms to know that, man, I'm not alone in, in going from zero to freak out. And you know what I'm saying? Like, it, and because this is how God designed us is with emotions, but it's how, how do we get control of those? How do we allow the spirit to lead us through those? Here's one example, Psalm 42. As the deer pants for flowing streams, so my soul 
for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night. While they say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I would go with the throng and lead them in the procession to the house of God with glad shouts of songs of praise and a multitude-keeping festival. He says, why are you so downcast, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? I don't know about you, but people that talk to themselves freak me out a little bit. I, I don't like it. You remember when those little Bluetooth things first came out in the grocery store? You're like, dude, who are you talking to? <laughs> like, it's, it's, a li- it's a little weird. But maybe, maybe we need to learn how to speak to our own soul a little bit. Maybe I need to, like, quiet my mind saying that's weird and, and just like, come on. I think what this psalm expresses to us is that it's okay for us to feel any number of things, good, bad, ugly, whatever. We need to not hide those things from God, kick the emotions out of the car. No, no, it's okay. What, whatever's, okay, things happen and you're feeling this and this, bring it to God. This is why David was a man after God's own heart. He wasn't perfect, so it wasn't about his perfection. I think, personally, at least one of the reasons is because he, no matter what was going on in his life, he brought it to God with transparency. God, I'm angry. God, I'm happy. And he just brought it to God and said, Lord, I'm gonna work through this. And then he says, even in this passage, come on, soul, hope in God, I shall again praise him. He's directing his soul what to do, how to respond to what he's feeling. So I wanna let you know, it's okay to wrestle with God, And you just might need to learn how to speak to your own soul. And in closing, number three, eat well. Eat well. If we want to deal with, learn how to deal with our emotions, our feelings, even our thoughts, stressful situations, any situation, we need to eat well. First Timothy three, all scripture is breathed out by God. All scripture is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction and training in righteousness. Why? That the man of God may be complete for every good work. If you're, whatever you feed in your life is gonna grow. So if you're not feeding yourself the word of God and the knowledge of God, it's probably not gonna grow. I think we need to eat well. And this last, this last one, I really felt specifically the Lord was leading me to this week. Two, two scriptures, 1 Corinthians 14, four. The one who speaks in a tongue builds himself up. The one who prophesies builds up the church, but the one who speaks in the tongue edifies himself. And again, Jude 1.20, but you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. If you wanna encourage yourself, if you wanna strengthen yourself in the Lord, if you wanna edify your spirit and your soul, here's one way, pray in the Spirit. We need to know right. We need to think right. We need to invite the Holy Spirit to renew our mind. We can wrestle with God through the things that that we're feeling. Just try not to wrestle so much with your spouse. Sometimes I'm like frustrated emotionally from something at work and I come home and take it out on her. It's because I haven't thought through why am I feeling what way and are my feelings from this situation allowing me to act out in this situation? And I really believe that what the Lord is saying to us today is that you have the ability 
to strengthen yourself in him and to make sure that each of your capacities are sitting in the right seat and speaking up at the right time and you have the ability to tell them to be quiet when the spirit says be quiet. Amen? I'd like to invite you to just bow your head and close your eyes for for a moment. I just want to ask today if maybe you're here in this room or you're joining us online and as you think about this, this analogy of your life being a vehicle, I would ask you, does Jesus have a place in your vehicle? Does the Holy Spirit sit shotgun? Does the Holy Spirit dwell within you? And maybe you're here, you're listening online and you recognize, I've never invited God to even be in my life at all. Or maybe you invited him years ago and you've shoved Jesus in the back seat or even in the trunk and he's somewhere back there but you recognize today that he certainly isn't sitting driver's seat and and you know in your heart that the Holy Spirit belongs there. And so I just wanna simply ask you, I'm not gonna twist anybody's arm. This has to come out of your own heart, out of your own faith, but I wanna give an opportunity if you're here today or you're joining us online and in your heart you would say, I want God not only in my car, but to fill my life and to be in charge of where I'm going. I want the Holy Spirit to fill my heart and lead me, guide me, and direct me. I want to be forgiven. I want to receive his presence and his salvation, and I want to make him the Lord of my life. If you're here in the room, and that's you with every head bowed, just for a moment of privacy, and that's you, you say, I want to put my faith in Jesus, or I want to come back to him today as I noticed, realized, acknowledged that I've walked away. Would you just slip your hand up in the air real quick? We've got some ushers that want to run to you. Thank you so much. I see your hand in the back on my right, your left. Is there anybody else in here? Anybody else? You say, that's me. Thank you so much. There's one in this middle section here, uh, right there. Thank you so much. Two, three hands. Anybody else? Awesome. Church, can we celebrate with with these friends that are making this commitment? And if that's you joining us online, wherever you're at, we want to ask you, would you shoot us an email at amen at theheartcda.com? One of us will specifically call you if you're making a commitment to the Lord. We want to get connected with you. We want to pray with you. Uh, It's all about relationship uh, for us. And so I want to I do something right now because the scripture says if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you will be saved. And so I want to pray with you, those of you especially that raised your hand. And just so you know you're not alone, we're all going to pray this together. But what we're going to pray is a prayer of faith and letting, letting Jesus know that we're inviting him to be the Lord of our life because he's not just going to force his, himself in. Uh, and we, we, we're going to ask and tell him and let him know. And so if that's you and that's where you're at in your faith, would you pray this with me, especially those that raised their hand. And, and let's all pray this together, church, so they know they're not alone. Jesus, today we recognize you as Savior and Lord. We confess that we have sinned. We have turned from you, but today we return. We come home and we welcome you as you welcome us. And we invite you, Holy Spirit, to fill us, to lead us, guide us, and direct us. We commit our lives to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can we celebrate with them one more time? Awesome. If you would stand to your feet with me, if you're able, I want to just close with, before Seth closes the gathering, I want to close by praying for a couple things. Uh, 
just for a moment, stick with me. If, if this message is resonating with you and maybe you feel like you're overly emotional or that your feelings get control or take control and you don't know how to deal with that, whatever way that maybe this message is resonating with you, I just wanna pray with you and for you for that, that the Holy Spirit would guide those inner workings in your soul. And, uh, and then secondly, I wanna pray specifically towards this idea of of being filled with the Holy Spirit. One of the terms that the Bible uses is being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Maybe you said in your heart as I was speaking, man, I want that prayer language. I wanna be able to edify myself in that way. And if that's a gift that the Lord has for me, I want that. And so I just wanna let you know that you can opt in right now just by telling the Holy Spirit right where you're at, saying, Holy Spirit, that's what I want. I want your fullness. I want all that you you have for me. And so if you would just bow your head and pray with me one more time. And, and I just wanna encourage you as I'm praying for these things, that you, if that's you, just, just opt in in your faith in your heart by saying, God, that's me, that's me, that's me. I, I want that too. And so, Lord, I pray for every person in this room or joining us online that, that this message is resonating with, that, about the emotions or feelings, or maybe even it's about the mind and the way that we think and the patterns of thought. And, but those people that feel like those those things inside of our soul have this ability to just grab that wheel and just, just steer us. We're, and God, that you would fill us with your presence, that you would teach us to think right and to act right and to feel right, that you would teach us that you have given us the ability through your spirit and your strength inside of us to, to through our will, make decisions in accordance with your will. Lord, I pray for all of those, like the young lady last night that came up to me that just said, I was freaking out today and I wasn't even supposed to come. But I knew as soon as I walked in that God had me here for a reason. I pray for people like that, that you would, that you would give a special grace to their spirit and their soul today. And Lord, I pray for all of those that are saying, Holy Spirit, I need and I want more of you. I wanna be filled with you. I wanna be baptized in you. I want all the gifts that you have for me. I wanna be able to pray and edify myself in the spirit. God, I pray that you would fall on them and fill them and overflow and like rivers of living water that you'd pour in and through and out of them. God, that you would baptize them in your presence right here and right now in the name of Jesus. We thank you that you give generously and as, as human beings that we give good gifts to our children how much more God will you give the Holy Spirit to those who ask we thank you that you do that and it's a joy for you to do that and we I ask God for those that are asking for that you would fill them with the fullness of your presence in Jesus name amen